Episode 52 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. A lesson my client taught me. Welcome along to episode 52 of Fitness Behaviour, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, welcome along. It's, um, it's kind of my, is it my third time doing fortnightly? I'm not quite sure. I'm not that kind of up to date with my own timetable, but uh, hopefully you were, I've got actually some really cool feedback on Bart's interview last well, two weeks ago. I'm not, I'm not used to fortnights. I've got to be really honest here. Monthly seems to work, weekly seems to work, but in my mind saying fortnightly seems a bit, a bit odd. But Bart's uh, got lots of great feedback on Bart's interview. You guys seem to really like his insight and what he was about and what he shared. So it was really cool to hear from him. I'm lining up a couple interviews for my next couple interview shows and I've gone, uh, I've got two people who have really tried and working hard to get. Uh, one of them is uh, both New Zealand people. One of them is hugely successful fitness person who's kind of gone into the academic world and done a lot of research around what makes people successful so I'm really fascinated to talk to her and then another one who I have actually confirmed is a high level educator and um, I'm really fascinated to see talk to her about self-education and what are the approaches that we should be taking towards self-education as we try to improve in life and bringing you know this good healthy stuff in so You'll be hearing those interviews over the next month or so as I get used to my fortnightly format. <laughs> so um, I just thought I'd tell you a story before I get into the gist of today's show. Uh, it was just a bit of an inspirational story about it. One of my runners called Alison. Alison is a runner who started with our walking group. So Alison has a husband called Hugh and uh, Hugh's been in our running group for for a while now, for quite a few years. And uh, he's quite a good runner, um, very fit man. He's done half marathons. I'm not quite sure if he's done a marathon, but he's done a lot of running. And he's one of the faster runners in our group. Um, and uh, a while ago, he said, uh, do you think my wife would be okay to join your groups? And I said, yeah, yeah, because we've got all levels. And uh, we have a walking group called Stepping Up. And Alison came and joined Stepping Up. And uh, she worked through Stepping Up. And then she did our Get Up to Five program. And that is, you know, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know, it's a zero to five K program that takes people from doing nothing to running uh, five Ks over eight weeks. And then Alison then went on and did Club 10, which is our 10K product. She went up doing that maybe two or three times. And then, you know, the obvious step is the half marathon product, which is our race team product. So after doing club 10 two or three times, I encourage Alison to come along and, you know, she should maybe think about doing race team, doing a half marathon. Now, as much as Alison has progressed amazingly well from, you know, just being a walker who had an exercise in a long time to to running, you know, 10Ks consistently, you know, race team was a quite a scary experience for her. And the first night that she we have a 5k time trial and she had a bit of a tough night that night and she didn't really nail that run and it was but you know sometimes you have these emotional runs and it was one of those nights where as a coach I gave her a hug and uh you know and said don't, don't worry this isn't going to be a whole experience and you're going to push on through well over the last she's training for a half marathon that happens a month from now and the Christchurch half marathon and uh she's been you know that first night wasn't 
you know, the greatest experience, but she's been just working away and doing really, really great. I think she ran 16Ks a couple of weeks ago. So she's running, you know, some real long distances now. And uh, she's just really excelling. And when we went back and did the, the next 5K race, she actually took quite a bit of time off her time. So she's doing, again, just doing really great. So last Saturday, uh, as a coach, when we coach our runners, we ride around on bikes. It's just more practical. We can get around more people. So last Saturday, they had a 10K race. And Alison was, uh, I managed to catch Alison with about a K to go in her race. And I sat beside her for that last K. And, and I said, what's your personal best for a 10K run? And she said she'd done, I think it was, I don't know, I think it was 82 minutes was her best for a 10K run. And she really, you know, I said, well, let's let's try to get your PB. Let's try to really get your PB. Now, admittedly, at this moment, she was looking, you know, for K to go, she could get that PB, you know, not comfortably, but she was working hard, but it looked like that PB was realistic. So then with about maybe... 500, 600, 700 metres to go, I said, let's try go for a sub 80. Now, this was one of those one of those goals that you put in front of people where once you say it, you think, as a coach, maybe I've stretched too far. Maybe I've put a goal here that's actually going to lead to disappointment. And, and it's a really fine line as a coach because let's look at this run. Alison was having a really good run. She was going to get a PB run that day in that run. So the fact that I put this, you know, she'd already looked like she was going to achieve that goal, for me to then put another carrot in front of her could make her feel disappointed. Because let's say she got to the finish line and she did 80 minutes and 10 seconds. She could feel disappointed in herself, even though she got a PB. And so as soon as I kind of put that in front of her, I thought, oh, maybe you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I kind of put it in front of her, so I couldn't really withdraw from it, so I put it in front of her, and then I basically just pushed you like you wouldn't believe, and um, I, I sat beside her on the bike, and just, you know, kept telling her her technique, kept holding on to her intensity, told her the moment where I needed her to sprint to the finish line, and she was working extremely hard, you know, it was a 10 out of 10 effort, the heart rate was up, the breathing was hard, you could tell just in her face, you know, the battle that she was having inside herself. So we, we get towards the finish line and there's this, we had, she kind of had to cross the road and then she had maybe 60 metres to go before the finish line. And I said to her, once we cross this road, you, you've got to sprint. We've got to sprint in this last 60 metres because uh, I was kind of saying, how much time have you got less? And every time she was saying it, it was like, we're on the borderline of her being able to achieve getting that sub 80. So we get across that line and I was like, Alison, you've got to sprint. And I'm just standing beside or riding beside her and, you know, going, come on, sprint, sprint, sprint. She sprints to the finish line. She gets across the finish line and she did 79, 79 minutes and 50, uh, 59 seconds. So she got in with one second to spare. Like it was, it was such a cool moment, you know, like as a coach, uh, you, you, you're looking for breakthroughs with people. You're looking for those moments where it helps them break through their, their belief in their ability, their esteem, those those really high emotional moments that exercise can give us. And uh, it was pretty cool to see Alison get across that line because she worked extremely hard to achieve that goal. So I was, you know, she was proud of herself. I was proud of her. It was one of those high five moments that all coaches love. So... That's kind of not the end of the story. So that night I went out for a run. I've got a beautiful trail run that I do here in Christchurch. I'm very fortunate. I live in, in a beautiful city and I live in a part of the city where we've got access to 
really good exercise options like as in trails and bikes and, and all those types of things and there's a trail called the Harry L Trail Run and recently I've been getting back into running I've been a little bit injured myself over the last period of time and uh, this year I set my goal was to get my body good so I could run and maybe do a half, maybe do a marathon in the second half of this year. So first half of this year was very much about getting into the weights room, getting some strength and flexibility, and you know getting myself fit so then I could start running without you know necessarily getting injured. So I, I've been very disciplined with that. And then the last period of time was just to get some consistency with my running. So I've been running, you know, maybe three times a week. My longest runs 16 16k, which for me, you know, being a guy who's done a lot of exercise isn't isn't massive. It's it's a good solid run, but I'm doing lots of runs of half an hour, anywhere from an hour, half an hour to an hour and a half max. And as time progresses, I'll start to increase the intensity and the the consistency of those runs. So I'll include more runs in my week. So I did this run, the same run I did to my Harry I run, it's pretty much my 8k run, it's a bit of a hill run, so I run from home, I live on a hill, so I run from home, and I run up this beautiful trail, it's, it's seriously, I'll actually I'll put a photo, because uh, I took a photo during the run, I'll put a photo of where we're running on the trail, on the Harry Hour trail, it's, 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 it's a beautiful run, you kind of run up a hill, and then, but not a crazy steep hill, just a nice kind of nice gradient as you're running up the hill, and then you run down. Now, when I'm at my fittest, my Harrier run is normally a 40-minute run. Recently, uh, for example, I did the same run about five days earlier, and I was closer to 50 minutes. Now, admittedly, on that 50-minute run, I wasn't pushing hard because I, you know, not really trying to do that right now. But on Saturday, I, I started off on my run. And um, I was going along, and, and then I've, I, I often listen to podcasts, but if I want to go a little bit harder, I'll put some music on. And I found the Violent Femmes. Now, I don't know if you guys know the Violent Femmes, they sing that song. Um, uh, let me go blister in the sun, blister in the sun, let me go on like a blister in the sun. Well, that, that song, that, that one of my favorite albums of all time is one of their albums. And when I was a young man, it was an album I absolutely loved, and it was because it kind of represents teenage angst. So I'm running up this hill, and, and after listening to a podcast for about 10 minutes, I thought I'll put the Violent Femmes on, and I put the Violent Femmes on, and music, you know, if, you've, if, you, if you struggle with training, music is such a powerful training tool, and if you put the right song on, it, it just lifts you emotionally, and, and I put that album on that really was a, a key album in my life when I was a young man, and just suddenly I just I just wanted to run fast. So I started running to the top of the hill, and I got to the top of the hill at around about 25 minutes, which is, it was about 4.5k, or maybe just under 4k's, no, just oh, slightly over 4k's of running. Um, but with the hill, that meant I had 15 minutes if I wanted to go sub 40 to get back home. And I remember just thinking, because I was kind of a bit emotionally high because of the music, and I was running a little bit faster, and I thought to myself, I'm going to chase to get to 40 minutes to get home. And uh, at that moment, I just stepped up to that next gear. And I was, I was for me, I was flying, so I was running a really fast pace. The downhill gradient was perfect. I was feeling really good, and I was just, just going for it. But with a K to go, I can't remember exactly how many seconds I had left, but with a K to go, I must say, I'm, I think I did the last K in 3.09, which is pretty fast, but admittedly I was going down quite a steep incline, so, um, you know, so I was, I was kind of, for me again, I was flying at my speed, and as I'm getting closer to home, I was looking at my watch and the seconds were ticking, and all I could think about 
was Alison. All I could think about was how hard Alison had pushed herself that day to, to absolutely kill herself to get under that mark and to get to that, that point where she was, you know, she got under that mark that we set for her under that sub-80 mark. And as I was as I was going down the hill and I had some music on that was just this emotionally charged music and my legs are just going as fast as I can and I'm flying and I'm, I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, the seconds are counting down. I can see there's a minute to go and I'm thinking, can I make it? I'm thinking there's 30 seconds to go, can I make it? And I'm just like, at this stage, I'm just sprinting downhill uh, and, and, and I get home and, and you know what? I didn't get there. I missed out by I think about seven seconds. But, it was just one of those moments, uh, and I wasn't disappointed. I was, I was stoked because I just loved, I love that moment with exercise. I love that moment where you're just emotionally, like exercise has the ability to do that, especially I, I believe when you add music to it, when you have just that song you love and you're exercising in a way that's intense and, and powerful and your body's moving, like the way my body was moving. I love movement. Um, and so while, you know, it would have been cool to get under that 40 you know, and I kind of missed out, um, I was still, you know, I wasn't necessarily that disappointed in myself. Uh, but what was really cool was that Alison inspired me. Now, Alison is a lady who started with a walking group, you know, just over a year ago. And the idea of, um, you know, half doing a half marathon wasn't even ever in her mind at that moment. And she's going to do this half marathon. And a month from now, Alison's going to go get across that finish line in a half marathon. And the development and the person and, and the physical and the mental has been such an awesome thing to see. But what, and I haven't told Alison yet, I'm going to read her email today actually, um, is I don't think Alison would have ever thought that she would have been an inspiration for someone like myself, for someone who's a fitness professional, who's you know spent their whole life being chasing themselves around fitness. But in my toughest moment, when I was you know really pushing extremely hard to achieve you know this goal that I was trying to set within my run, Allison was the thing that drove me along. Like when I was you know like I was I was with that minute to go, with that two minutes to go, I was I was blowing man, I was killing myself. And it was Alison I thought of because I thought I asked Alison to go harder today and she did. So I need to go harder myself right now. And I think, I know I've done a podcast in in, in the past, uh, I think I called it You Become the Inspiration with that whole idea of that, what is inspiration? And it's when you see the everyday people around you make bigger decisions to grow. And, and that's what Alison gave to me in that moment. Like I know that I supported her to get to that place, but ultimately to see Alison push herself and, and to, to chase that sub 80 minute run and to see her achieve it, she inspired me. And I think when we think of inspiration, we think of, you know, the the, the elite athletes in the world, the Federers, the, you know, the, the top runners, the top athletes, you know, female and male athletes, we think that they are inspiration, the top sports teams. But actually inspiration comes from all of us. All of us can inspire each other. And it's important to remember that by me chasing a higher level in my life and by me, you know, putting it out there and really taking the risk of being the person who's going to do it, I will inspire others. Like, Alison inspired me. I'm the guy. I'm the fitness guy. My whole life's been fitness. I know fitness. 
but Alison, in my tough moment, inspired me. So there's probably two things just to think about here is, who inspires you? Who are those everyday people who you see have the courage to have have character traits that, that inspire you? And how can you inject them in your time to allow yourself to to use what they've done to, to help you find your next level. And then also maybe to look at when you inspire others yourself and what about your personality traits and about those times where you make the harder choices that allow you to inspire yourself. Just something to think about. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to let Alison know about this because uh, it was pretty cool. So just something to think about there. This month's show, I've got, um, this is the, again with the new format, um, What's happening, uh, there's a big yawn here, sorry about that. In the new format, I'm doing once an interview every two weeks and then the traditional fitness behaviour show. And today's show is going to be the traditional show. I've got a topic I want to talk about. Just before I get into that, I just want to mention my Patreon page. So if you go to bevanjamesisles.com and you check out the show notes or if you even just go to the website, you see there's a link to my Patreon page. My Patreon page is a way that you can support me doing what I do. To be honest, fitness behaviour really doesn't bring me any money in my life. Um... And, you know, I do put quite a bit of time and energy into this. It'd be really cool if you could support me in doing this. I've got seven patrons who are, who are currently patrons of the show, and I'm going to name them right now. Um, I've got Paula, and Paula's nickname's going to be Paula the Punisher. I've got Marion Clatt, and Marion Clatt, I've called her the Momentum. Marion the Momentum Clatt. George Baker, George Baker the Wild Bill. Uh, Mary Power. Now, Mary Power, I'm pretty sure I know Mary. I'm pretty sure she's one of my runners. But Mary, oh, your nickname's going to be I've Got The. Because, come on, I've Got The Power. That's gold. Ginger Dave. Ginger Dave, I'm pretty sure. Billy, I know a couple of these people. Ginger Dave, I'm pretty sure is the guy in my band. <laughs> so, uh, Ginger Dave, he's, he's an amazing musician. Seriously, I feel very fortunate to be able to play music with Ginger Dave. And, um, and so, I'm going to call him the governor. He's the governor because he's written one of our songs called The Governor. So he is the governor. Phoebe Sanders. Now, Phoebe Sanders is, I, I know of Phoebe. I actually know her. She's interviewed me for some research she's done. Uh, she's she's a bit of a hardcore triathlete and um, also a bit of a brainiac, a very intelligent woman who's doing some research in some important areas. And I thought about calling her Iron Woman, but then I thought, well, that's, you know, if she's a triathlete, Iron Man, Iron Woman. And then I thought, well, Iron Man... Tony Stark, because he's like Iron Man, and he's very intelligent, so I thought, well, how about we call her the Stark, so that represents, you know, she's a hardcore kind of athlete, and an extremely intelligent woman, and then we've got Michael Noak, and Michael Noak, you are the Hammer, so there you go, there you go, if you want to get a fitness behaviour nickname, and also support the show, obviously that's a big part of why these people are donating to the show go to my website bevanjamesisles.com you'll see the little link to patreon on the side there click on that it'll take you to my patreon page and then it just i just kind of talk you through what happens basically every time i put an episode out you will then donate whatever you choose it can be a dollar it can be five dollars it can be ten dollars it can be a million dollars if you want to do a million dollars I'll love you, but highly unlikely. But so you can basically do that. Uh, the more that people, you guys can support me in doing this, the more I can put more time into this show to make it better and better and do more work around, you know, what I believe in, which is getting people loving exercise. So once again, go to my website, bimanayandjamesisles.com, Patreon, and uh, click on there and help support the show. Anyway, I'm going to put this month's show on right now. Let's get some music on and let's get into it. 
If, if I was going to ask you if there's one name to think of, it's, it's funny how in each area of life there's kind of one name that dominates it. So if I were to say, uh, you know, music devices, I imagine most of you would say podcasts. So I'm sorry, not podcasts, you'd probably say iPods. If I were to say, name a fast food restaurant, majority of people are going to pop up with McDonald's first. If I was going to say a shoe brand, I imagine probably Nike is going to pop into people's heads. I always find this really interesting. This is kind of optophic that I'm going here, but it's interesting how much have they paid for to be that first position in your head. Like when you think about the first positions in different topics of your mind, how much has that person or company or group spent to get there in your head? And when you think of, like, think of a fizzy drink. Is that Coca-Cola has popped up in your head? And it's, I always find that really interesting is that, okay, well, my headspace is actually quite open to being bought. And uh, and who has bought my headspace to think those things? And, you know, what's the implications of that upon my life? It's, uh, you know, that marketing question of who owns my mind is a very interesting question to explore. It's not really where I'm meant to be going today, but uh, just got me on a bit of a tangent there. But if you think about self-help, What's the name that pops up in your head right now? Now, I imagine a lot of you, the name is going to be Tony Robbins. Now, Tony Robbins is kind of, I don't know if he's the first. Obviously, uh, if you've read a lot of self-help books, you know that you would have heard of Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill was the guy who wrote Think and Grow Rich a long time ago. It's an interesting story, actually. Think and Grow Rich was commissioned by, I think it was by Andrew Carnegie, who was a very wealthy American in the 20s. And he wanted to figure out what it was that made people successful. And then he, he commissioned Napoleon Hall to then go on and to write Think and Go Rich. Uh, it's interesting because it's very much of its time. Uh, so, for example, one of the things about that book is they talk about the importance of the sex. I think he talks about the importance of the sexual relationship between the man and, and the woman. And how the you know having a great wife who understands the sexual needs is... Um, an important part of making someone successful. Now, obviously, this book was written in a time where it was only the man that was going to be successful. So it's really, I, I found that really interesting. I also found it quite interesting that they went there in that book in that time. You know, so it was quite, it was quite good. But you know, it, it's, it's kind of these guidelines, and I'm sure many of you have read it. But Tony Robbins, you know, in, in my lifetime, has definitely been the person who's most recognized as being you know the self-help guru uh i've heard lots of criticism of some of the stuff he does i've heard some you know some of the really great work that he does and you know i'm sure that overall i've heard people have done some of his conferences and think they've changed you know made massive influence on their lives um you know all of these things you can take with a grain of salt but one thing tony robbins often talks about is the six human needs what do we need as humans to um you know, to, to ultimately fulfill, or to have a good life, I suppose, is a good way of thinking about it. And the six human needs are these. So first of all, he talks about, the first one is certainty. So assurance that you can gain, avoid pain, and gain pleasure in life. So that's kind of the certainty around that, that in my life, I can, I can avoid pain, and I can gain pleasure. The second one, it's not really a contradiction, but it's it's kind of sits on top of the first one, which is uncertainty and variety. And this is the need for unknown change in your stimulus in your life, which kind of makes sense. I know that I went through a period myself a few months ago where, you know, I've, I've, I'm, when it comes to that first need of certainty, I've kind of nailed it. My life is very certain. Um, I'm very safe in my world. 
Um, I don't experience much pain, as in uh, negative pain that can have, you know, massive consequences, and I know how to experience pleasure. But I went through a period where I just felt like my day-to-day routine was just a bit, just it needed it, it needed something else, it needed something that was a bit of variety, a bit of a challenge, and that was obviously that need for me to have some variety and uncertainty in my life. The third point I'm going to come back to in a second, so I'll go to the fourth one. The fourth one is connection and love. So a strong feeling of closeness or union with someone or something, which obviously when you think about it, you know, I've talked a lot about with my running group, that whole idea of one of our biggest factors with our running group is the social connections we make with our runners. That if we can make you socially connected with someone and with the group, then your chances of being successful improves massively. So if we can build connection and love for running in our group, the, the chance of people achieving their goal improves improves massively. Fifth is growth, the expansion of capacity, capability or understanding. And then sixth is con- contribution, the sense of service and focus on helping, giving to and supporting others. Now those are five of the six six human needs that he talks about. So once again, certainty, uncertainty or variety, connection and love, growth and contribution. There's one other that he talks about, and this is where I'm going to go into a lot of detail today, and it's called significance. Feeling unique, important, special, or needed. Significant, feeling unique, important, special, or needed. Now, ultimately, I suppose, based on what Anthony Robbins is saying, is that our life should be kind of be, be have a feeling that those needs are fulfilled. So as I suppose, before I even get into today's show, let, let, let's do a self-assessment on that. When you think about your life right now, do you feel you have certainty? You know, I imagine I've got a lot of younger listeners right now, people who are maybe in their early 20s or even younger, you know, as you step away from that moment of your parents giving you the certainty to then moving into a life where suddenly, you know, you have to be responsible for yourself, you know, finances, and all, that's a really uncertain time. And almost in that first adult period of your life, it's about gaining that certainty around things like finances and, and relationships and stuff like that. But for maybe for people who are a little bit older, you may have that certainty, or maybe you don't. So as you think about your your ability to be able to avoid pain and gain pleasure in your life, where do you feel you sit in that area? Then uncertainty or variety. Do you do you have variety in your life? Do you, is your life very much just a copy and paste of the day before, or do you have things that kind of sit in that life where you have routine uncertainty, but also kind of throw you out a little bit in a way that's quite stimulating? It makes you change and develop yourself. Significance. I want to actually come back to this one. So let's look at connection and love. Do you have a strong sense of closeness or union with someone? Or something, it, it, it doesn't necessarily. You know, you could be single and still have strong connections in your life and love in your life. Is it a passionate thing? Is it is it a hobby that you have? Is it a relationship where you feel the strong sense of connection? Where, you know, I often think that the best relationships are the ones where you add value and you get value back. And I imagine that's where that love and that connection comes. Do, do you have that in your life? Are you growing? Are you stretching yourself? Right now, as you reflect on your life right now, are you in that place where you're no longer growing? Or are you quite stimulated right now where you're actually really, really stretching yourself to push yourself to be a higher level? And contribution, do you, what, what service and helping are you giving back to your world? 
you know, like it's really interesting, isn't it? That that sense of help. There's there was this great YouTube clip Joe showed me the other day of these people. It was one of those fun kind of quirky help people moments. And what they did is they got these people to um, what they do? They got these people to talk. Uh, uh, these people were running around a park, and then this one girl just runs up to one of the runners and goes, "Do you mind if I run with you?" And then next thing you know, it's almost like uh, uh, fan, fans turned up out of nowhere. People were running beside these two people and cheering them along. They put this finish line there in a big party atmosphere, and it's one of those moments where you just you're like it makes you want to cry. You know, there's something about helping others that is innate in human nature, and so. Where's your sense of contribution right now? It's, it's a good thing to think about these kind of things, you know, like if you can reflect and discover that actually I haven't grown in a period, maybe I need to put some of that back into my life. So let's go into significance. I suppose before we get into that is, is what what makes you feel unique, important, special or needed? Now I'm going to talk about a, a client of mine here today and this client of mine is this person who's... Um, Significance has been a thing that they've struggled with their whole life. When they've talked to me, they've talked to me a lot in the time that we've worked together. And this client of mine has done amazing work. When we started working together about Jeepers Creepers, maybe 18 months ago, and at that time in their life, they were very dissatisfied in one aspect of their career. So they had a job which took up 40 hours of their week, and then they had a passion job on the side, which which they absolutely loved. And ultimately, in their perfect life, they would be doing the passion job all the time. But, you know, they felt that they needed the 40-hour for things like certainty and security and stuff like that. And uh, this person also struggled a little bit with, um, you know, the internal battle that many people do. And uh, when we started working together, there's a lot of, we've done a lot of work with this person and they've done amazingly well. Seriously, the, the growth in the person as a whole is is massive and what's really cool is they got to the point where they actually quit their 40-hour job and now are doing the passion job and are being really successful like you know like you know and this person isn't necessarily young they're in in you know I'm not quite sure exactly the age probably late 40s maybe in the 50s I'm not quite sure somewhere around that um but you know to take that risk of you know, at that age, to let go of the security of a 40-hour job to then to a passion job where you're self-employed, the certainty is a lot less, you know, that's such a ballsy move. But we, we worked hard on this person getting to that point, and they, and they did it. And it's been really cool to watch this because within a very short period of time, they've achieved the success that they needed to achieve. Like, financially, they're, they're there, they're, they're doing amazing. It's, it's one of those ones where you're just like, this is awesome to watch. Now, working with this person has been really interesting because when working with this person, early on they stated how, as a young person, they always felt they wanted to be someone who was important in the world. They always felt they wanted to be someone who was significant. That they were looked at with, um, that they was, uh, I'm not quite sure of the best ways to put it, but that just they were someone who was important that the world looked at them and they looked to them to for solutions, for, for offerings, for, you know, all those types of things. And as much as this person deep down had this inner need to feel a sense of certainty in their life, they never really felt that they had achieved it. They never really felt that they were 
a significant person to their world. So while they had this underlying desire, you know, from a very early age to, to be someone who was important or significant, in their mind they were never that person. And at the same time, they did that comparison thing. You know, they, I've often talked on this show about the danger of comparison. So they would see people around them or above them or, or people who they felt had the thing that they wanted. And it would probably reinforce why they weren't significant themselves. And this had been a, a real a real limiter in their life. And it was interesting. They were, they were talking to me about when they do some of their, their work. And... When they're doing their work, we, we figured out that ultimately, when we're talking about the passion job that they, they move towards, is that often a lot of their, their energy would be based on what the people were thinking about them when they were doing the work, not necessarily what's the best energy to be in, or where should my focus be when I'm doing the work. You know, like I've talked about this as an instructor, you know, like, as an instructor, my job shouldn't be, what are you thinking of me? Like, I think I've talked about this on the show, about being a public speaker. You know, being a public speaker, most people, when they go into public speaking, think, what are you thinking of me? A good public speaker thinks, what are you getting from me? What am I giving to you to make you get a greater experience? And this person, when they're doing their passion job, they were doing it in a way where they were worried about the judgment of others because of that need to be significant. So they always... They lived in a world a little bit that was the energy was on making decisions around what kind of judgment of these people making of me, not necessarily what's the best work to help enhance these people grow. And for this reason, the significance thing was a big thing. And a while ago, we identified that this was something we needed to work with them with this client, that this person needed to actually work on their sense of significance. And that's what we started to do. We started to do some work around, okay, well, your job is to see where you are significant in your world. Your job is to, to actually catch those moments to see if you are being significant. Because up to this moment in your life, you've spent so much time thinking that you're not significant and looking, comparing yourself in ways that actually makes you feel disappointed that you're not when really maybe you already are significant. And maybe if you can understand that, you can explore higher levels of being significant. So over a very short period of time, we, 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 we gave this person some homework and the homework was, I always give homework to my clients. You know, if you, if you sign up with me team, you're doing some homework. Um, and we, we gave them some homework and the homework was very much around allowing yourself to see the influence you are on those people around you particularly in the area that this person is working in their passion area. And it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal to see how this person shifted once they allowed themselves to see how they were significant. Uh, they could Suddenly they could see that what they brought to their world had a massive impact on their world. And they actually sent me through an email, it was quite by coincidence, but they got, a, they got an email from one person that they work with in the area they work in, and this email was, was one of those emails that you get that's basically saying, you changed my life. You changed my life. Now, that is significant. And what was really cool for the person, my, my client was that they could see 
they started to see that within themselves. They started to see that I am significant. And so they started to, to lose that kind of that, that judgment that they had in the past and the fear that they never were going to be significant. And I started to look at their world and see just those little moments, those little interactions, those little moments where through the work they've done they've helped someone or something grow. Or even those big moments when they've got that email. Because in the past, if, if they'd got some feedback, which you'd perceived as meaning I'm significant, they would brush it off and not let themselves own it. But in this moment, they allowed themselves to see that they're significant. And it's, it's had this massive effect on this person. It's been really, really positive. And we're, we're very much at square one. You know, they've just opened up the door to this new way of seeing the world and seeing how what kind of impact they have on their world. And, and they're actually they are significant. Now we're exploring, okay, well, well, how can you take that further? What's the evolution of that? You know, how can it be that you have more of those emails that is, I'm changing lives? If we go back to, this, you know, early on today's show, I kind of said, well, let's look at these six needs, Anthony Robbins, and how are you doing? Well, well some things to think about is, is, how do I get significance in my life? And in some ways, you know, there are those real positive ways. So it might be that I, I get significance. So I get significance because I've, cr- you know, I've, I've created a business that helps people achieve fitness goals. And that gives me significance. Um, I get significance because, um, this isn't me now, I'm just kind of saying, you know, you might think to yourself, I get significance because I help somebody, um, you know, achieve a goal. Or I donate some time to some cause, or I get significance because I'm good at something. But what I want us to start to think about now is, as we think about this importance of significance, is where am I getting significance that's actually maybe making me focus on the wrong thing? Where do I get significance that makes me focus on the wrong thing? There's kind of lots of ways to think about this. A, way, a really good way to think about this is, is when you meet someone new to your world, what do you sell about yourself? When you meet someone who's new to your world, what do you sell about yourself? So let's say you go to a party and there's people there who you've never met before and you sit down and you start talking to them and it's a nice conversation. You know, really in that first period of time, we kind of are putting a sales pitch on, aren't we? And really we are we are representing ourselves to the world. And at that moment, we, we like to show our significance. Now when you think about how you represent yourself at that moment, is, is what, are the, what are the ways you do that? How, how do you gain significance in that moment? And when you think about the answers that you're coming up with as I ask these questions, are those the best areas you should be focusing on in your life? Because sometimes we get significance in ways that are actually bad for us in our world. Anthony Robbins, in one of his, I think his TED Talks, he talks about this, he talks about how significance is the gangster on the street who's got a gun who stands up in front of you and puts a gun in front of your face. Now, the action's terrible, the behaviour's terrible, and the consequences are massive, but in that moment, they have con- they have significance. And it's almost like, I'm not going to say putting a gun up in front of your face, but how do you represent yourself to your world in a way that is that that negative thing. And as you think about how I sell myself at those moments, 
does that make me focus on areas of myself that a I, that I don't like or b that aren't healthy for me or, or c if I were you know like focusing on other areas I'd be more fulfilled in my life so as you, as you think about it's that whole I, I've talked about this on the show in the past but that whole idea of what ladder do you climb up here no it's the right ladder and um how do you, you know, what gives you significance? How do you know that's the significance that you really ultimately want in your life? And I suppose that then goes to my next point is, and I should probably write this down as I'm talking, but um, I wrote down talk. <laughs> so that's probably not the best thing to write down. Um, what other areas of significance? So this is kind of how I represent myself. But then what behaviors to give me significance that maybe aren't healthy as well so you might be the person who picks on other people you might be the person who gossips terribly about about lots of things and ultimately that that gives you a sense of significance you know you know when you're in that i don't know the latest gossip out and something and everyone's talking about it and you just have that next level of insight on that gossip and that makes you feel significant now is that the best use of your life Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's what you like. But ultimately then the next question goes, so so if we think about, first of all, what gives me significance? And then there's, there's the kind of the things I do and the person I am. And once I can identify what gives me significance and the areas that give me significance, which ones are really empowering, strong things in my life and which ones are part of myself that actually I don't need to be that significant in. Once I can start to understand that, then I can start to develop myself in the areas that I need to feel significant. So you may determine that actually I am someone who is a bit critical and gossipy of other people and I feel strong in myself at the time when I bring other people down and it makes me feel significant. But then when I look at the costs on other people's lives and, and ultimately I feel bad about myself because I do that, then that's an area of significance I want to remove. And then what do I want to replace it with? And so you might determine that actually I want to be a person who makes people's lives better. And my significance will be that when I'm doing the thing that I do, people's like, you know, I think back to the story I was doing earlier on today with myself and Alison, you know, I felt significant in her life because I helped push her through. And the real value of me writing the email to Alison about her helping me is that she's going to feel significant to me. So she's going to feel that she was a significant person to me. And that's, you know, that's a really important thing. So if you can start to identify, well, the the what makes me significant and who who I am makes me significant, are they actually things that are good for me? And if they aren't, or if they are, how do I enhance them? If they aren't, what can I replace the ones that aren't with? And then how do I work towards that as I move forward? And then I suppose lastly, ultimately, if I think back to my client I work with, is once I understand I'm trying to develop these ways of being significant in the world, is how do I allow myself to see that so I can see the impact of my shift in the way I look at my significance? So a lot of big questions going on there, but it's really important stuff to think about. It really is. Because ultimately significance is that thing that we all desire and we all find it one way, shape or form or the other. But the, the, the need for this and the desire for this can lead us towards selves or sides of ourselves that we ultimately aren't us. You know what I love the most? Well, I don't know if I love the most, but I, you know what I love is when you hear someone go, I feel I've just gone back to being me. 
you'll get that sometimes. You'll get you'll get someone who just I don't know, they've been down the wrong path and something happens and they switch and they feel they've gone that they're just they're them. They know what they are. And to me, when you think of this area of significance, this thing that we all chase and all of us find ways to get it, what would be the way that you'd have significance if you were being true to yourself? If you were got to that place where I'm just being me, what would that be for you? And as you think about your life right now, and you can start to reflect on how I get significance, where is the work that you need to do to make yourself get more of the significance that would make you take you to that place? Because I ultimately feel that if you, if you create a world where you are significant, or you allow yourself to see that you're significant in ways that are really empowering and powerful for you, you are you're going to be that influence that's great on the world, and you're going to feel great about who you are and what you bring to the world. I suppose I suppose I don't really have anything else to add. So so lastly, just the questions are: Where do I get significance? Is this a good thing or a bad thing for me? And if it's bad, what can I do to let go of it? And what can I add in? And then lastly, how do I allow myself to see that my significance is having a, the effect I want on the world, so I can be who I want? Ultimately, if I do this, I will be that better version of myself. All right, I think that's uh, pretty much today's show done and dusted. I'm just going to make sure I'm recording here. Yep, I am recording. Uh, this is pretty much today's show done and dusted. Hopefully there's some stuff for you to think about in that. It's an area that I find um, pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting when, as you think about this, you know, how you get that significance in your world and so on. You know, I've talked about it a lot, so you know where I'm going with this. Um... Just a couple quick things. If you want to email me, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com and you can email me through some questions and I'll answer them on the show. Um, again, you go to my Patreon page. Um, please do that if you can. If you can afford a couple bucks a show, that'd be really great. It just helps me do a bit of job. That's kind of cool. Um, what else? Not much else. So next month, I'm going to have another interview on and I'm looking forward to getting that on. I've got some pretty cool... I've, I've got some cool ideas about where I want to take this show and uh, and then in my next month's show, like this one where it's just me, I've already got the topic I want to go into, and um, it's yeah, I think it'll be another challenging topic that I think you may get a lot of value out of. And that's, that's pretty much me for the month, guys. So I'm going to wrap it up here right now. So you guys have a wonderful month. I'll see you same time, same place in two weeks, not in a month, because remember it's a fortnightly show. And uh, oh, lastly, spread the word. You know, podcasting's a funny little world. It's owned by like iTunes and stuff. And if you enjoy the show, flick it out to your friend. It's all good. Like I've got a great size audience. This show's done really, really well. But always spread the word. Tell your friends to enjoy the show and get it out there. Anyway, you guys rock. And I'll see you next month. No, I'll see you in two weeks. You think I'd learn, wouldn't you? I'll see you in two weeks, guys. See you later.